Howdy dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the Westworld Podcast, the show where we recap and review each episode of the hit HBO sci-fi series Westworld. Season 3 has just wrapped up, and so today we'll be doing a full season retrospective on a controversial season of Westworld. As always, I'm James, and with me, you may know him better as host of the Westworld Podcast, Westworld Ryan, (laughs) my host Ryan. Uh, You are lucky that we live across the earth. If you were next to me, I would donkey punch you right now. It's funny that you bring up Donkey Punch, because in my notes, uh, when I I referred to Dolores Prime, I write her name as DP, and then I giggle to myself. Oh, well, I don't... uh, Gross. One. Two. When you write DP, you think Donkey Punch? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a few things you could think, I guess, but... There's one thing. There's one. (laughs) And it's not Donkey Punch. You're Dink Pudding. That's what I'm thinking of, actually. It's Dink Pudding. Dark Phoenix. I was thinking of the X-Men film that flopped. No, you weren't. (laughs) So, we were just talking about this, and for seasons two and season one, I wrote out a pretty, like, extensive summary of the main things that happened, right? Right. And uh, what I also do is write, like, character profiles of everything that they did in this season. Right, you put in a lot of work. It takes you a lot of time. How long ago did you start writing the season three summary? Uh, earlier this morning. Oh, okay. And, but it's the morning for you right now, yes, though. That's right. Yeah, that's important to know. It's the nighttime for me, and what I'm trying to get you to say is you started about three seconds ago. <laughs> and and as I was writing out the character profiles, I was like, oh look, I already got I already got the whole plot out here. <laughs> I did it. Perfect. Because it's fairly straight simple. There's no timeline fuckery. There's no, not much guesswork to do, really. It's just no twists no. to be spoken of. It's like Dolores had a goal, and and Sirak wanted to stop her, and then eventually she succeeded. It's just, you know, just the hero's journey, basically. Except the hero is Caleb. A lot of death in season three, but it feels inconsequential. We were just going over... You were going over some parts of what season three was, and you mentioned Liam, and I was like, oh yeah, Liam exists. I forgot. Right, and aside from being like a disaffected and aloof kind of elite billionaire, and maybe you, you know, maybe the argument can be made that like just living that way is immoral or whatever, I don't think Liam really deserved to die. He did. He personally no. didn't do anything bad. He let Martin take Dolores off to be killed, but I think, like in that situation, he thought that she was some kind of threat to him. So maybe you could argue self-defense. I don't know. At the end of the season, he feels just so much like he doesn't matter. Like, well, on the whiteboard when Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy were mapping out the architecture for five to six seasons of Westworld. Did they have Liam on said whiteboard? Did they have Caleb on that? Like, they say James Marsden, as you said, was quoted in season one saying it's not about finding out how to make one or two episodes. It's about mapping out an entire five years. But it's hard for me to imagine that they were like, okay, and now Liam Dempsey Sr.'s son Liam Dempsey Jr. dates Dolores, and she's helped by a hairpiece attached to a person named Caleb, and that's season three. Voila, here you go, HBO. 
Are, are you dazzled? Well, I think it's like we're naysaying, but season three among fans seems to be well received. I was talking to my boomer dad about it, uh, embarrassed to find out that he listens to this podcast. He liked season three much better than season two. And I think a lot of our okay, well, Twitter followers said the same. And Reddit kind of hates it. There is also that. The Reddit doesn't like it. Embarrassed? Say hello to your father, okay? <laughs> he takes time out of his busy sketch to li- Hello, Mr. Hat. Oh, wait, I'm not allowed to say your last name. <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> so before we dive into it, we just want to say really quick, because nobody listens to the end of podcasts. Oh my god, we almost forgot again. This is so stupid. If you want to support the show and get extra content, you can find us on Patreon, the Westworld Podcast. And for just a dollar or more a month, you get some bonus episodes. We just had one recorded. We got another one coming out in a little bit. And you get access to our private Discord. We can chat personally with Ryan and I. And we will shout out your name at the end of each show. The one we just posted is called The Gift Bag. It's where James and I talk about stuff that we find for each other on the internet. And mainly we talked about the new upcoming Star Wars movie that was just announced. So yeah, go over to our Patreon. A dollar. Okay, let's talk about Westworld. So this is me, Ryan, reading the plot summary of Westworld seasons one and two to get us caught up to season three. So what I'm going to do is, and we're going to see how it goes, is I'm going to read the first bit of plot from Wikipedia, and then I'm going to skip and read the season finale's plot and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. I've described it to you so that when it's bad, you understand where I'm coming from. Okay. Anywho, right. season one, the plot... Westworld's co-founder Robert Ford played by the indomitable Anthony Hopkins it doesn't say that but I feel like I needed to add it anywho implements a change in the host programming ostensibly as part of a new narrative for the park but meant to encourage the park's oldest operating host Dolores to find the proverbial quote-unquote center of the maze which represents the ability to achieve sentience as we know this goes well Host sentience was the goal of deceased co-founder Arnold Weber and later Ford himself. As you know, he came to terms with the fact that it should have happened in the first place and Arnold didn't need to die. Anywho, other hosts are affected by this change, creating confusion among the park staff and guests and leading the Delos board to doubt Ford's ability to run the park. (laughs) He was playing underwater 4D chess, you idiots, you don't even know. Dolores does ultimately gain sentience, easy, and at the celebration within the park attended by Delos board members, Ford announces his new narrative, a revolt by the hosts against the human staff and park guests, which starts with Dolores killing Ford, hilarious, rip Ford, and slaughtering many of the panicked party guests. Honestly, they did a pretty good job. Yeah, they left out the whole William and Logan part. That was pretty important as well. They left out William, Logan, Maeve wasn't mentioned once. You guys know who those people are, though, right? You guys know? I'm asking an audience that can't respond, but, like, you guys know, right? And what happened in season two? In season two, after killing Dr. Ford from the end of season one, Dolores converts and leaves the other hosts in killing many of the other guests in the few weeks that follow as she kind of takes over the identity of Wyatt, who's generally annoying. She seeks to find a way to get out of the park to continue her revenge and knows she must recover her father, Peter's Pearl, to do so and unlock Westworld's true secrets with it. It's Pearl. It says it's a Pearl, but we know it as a brain ball, okay? You don't have to lie to us. Charlotte, who was attempting to smuggle Westworld data through Peter, 
also seeks the host she cannot call for extraction without the data. Bernard, a.k.a. new robot version of Arnold, not not dead, still struggles with the fact that he is a host and comes to learn that Dr. Ford still has significant influence on him and the park. Maeve, oh my god, they said her name, she exists, is aided by Lee, his name too, and Hector, oh my god, to find her daughter while learning there are many more other parks in Westworld. The Man of Black is forced to come to terms with why he has spent so much time in the park when he encounters his daughter Emily. And they don't mention it here, but then he murders her in cold blood while he thinks that Ford is running her like as a robot. What a dumb, dumb idiot boy. So they said most of the names. Okay. That's pretty solid. But then also most of the robots go to robot heaven. Right. Right. Yeah, so maybe I can catch you up. What is the what is the the passenger? Directed by the long-lost Frederick E.O. Toy. The wiki says, Maeve escapes the Mesa and reunites with her group, Team Maeve. Call them what they are. And they, Bernard, Dolores, Akechita, William, and Delos. Wow. Aki. Remember him? He exists. Or did. And Delos all converge on the valley beyond. Dolores and Bernard enter first and find the Forge, a more advanced version of the Cradle. <laughs> I hate that stupid sentence. I hate that sentence. Anywho, Dolores reads some of the guest data as the Forge opens, quote-unquote, the door, for Akechita and his followers to upload their minds into the Sublime. Jesus Christ. A digital world cut off from the physical world. There's just too many, too many names of things. Yeah, this is getting you... rough. <laughs> <laughs> this is rough times. Bernard kills Dolores. Ugh. <laughs> To prevent her from destroying the forge and flees with Elsie, rip Elsie back to the Mesa. That. Yeah. yeah, remember Elsie was a, <laughs> was alive. An asshole Charlotte shot her like a dick bag. Maeve and her group sacrifice themselves, holding off Delos forces to ensure Akechita and Maeve's daughter escape to the Sublime. Charlotte murders Elsie, fuck Charlotte, to keep her quiet, which convinces Bernard to build the host version of Charlotte with Dolores' control unit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, the reason the reason original see this is so stupid. I'm like, right. I the reason that Charlotte is dead is because Bernard made that choice. What a what a I don't know. Anyway, Dolores kills and replaces Charlotte. Oh, while Bernard scrambles his own memories. You can say it's Dolores, but it's basically Dolores and Bernard tag teaming it. In the present, Dolores kills Strand. Remember Carl Strand? Barely, that guy yeah. who doesn't matter? And Bernard, while transferring the host mines in the Sublime to a safer location. She then escapes back to the mainland along with five host pearls and then rebuilds Bernard, knowing that he will oppose her plan to destroy humanity and hoping their resulting conflict will ensure the survival of the hosts. As we now know, those five brain balls are all copies of Dolores. In a flash forward, William enters the forge to find it abandoned, save for a host replica of Emily who tests him for quote-unquote fidelity, revealing that his consciousness has been implanted in a host body, which we know now uh, because, you know, the last thing we saw in season three is him getting straight murdered, and now season three and handing it over to the person who actually does well at summaries, James. Yeah, wow, that took a long time to summarize, but I I talked... For so long. <laughs> I, I did remember a lot of things that I had forgotten. Yeah, interesting. I forgot about Strand entirely <laughs> until you mentioned his name. He was pretty forgettable bad guy. And by the way, I talked for so long, I didn't mention Sylvester. I didn't mention Felix. I didn't mention Angela. I didn't mention... 
I mentioned Peter Abernathy once, barely mentioned. No, we, mention if you want Logan a super detailed recap of seasons one and two, you can find that in our back catalog. <laughs> we do that. Yeah, that's true. We made hour to two hour long recaps of those first two seasons. Go listen to them. So I broke these down by characters, and I ordered the characters by most consequential. But maybe let's let's talk about the new characters first and what they do. All right? Sure. The, yeah. the most important new character has got to be Caleb, played by yeah. Jesse Pinkman. Right. He seems like a normal guy, but actually he's the chosen one. He's Neo. Serac, in the past, had tried to brainwash him and control him because he's an outlier. And he destined Caleb to live out the rest of his life as a suicidal sad sack. And it's not clear if this is by chance or by Dolores' master plan. But Dolores and him have a fateful encounter. And then she uses him as the linchpin of her rebellion to bring down the system. If you really analyze it closely, Caleb does play an important part, but he doesn't have much agency. He's basically either always listening to Dolores... Or trying to help Dolores when he doesn't have uh, her direct orders. And he has the most agency in the final episode where he tries to rescue Dolores, but then he fails. And by the end of the season, he still hasn't done too much independent of himself. He kind of decides to erase Rehoboam, but that was Dolores' master plan in the end, and he just kind of carries it through. But now that society has collapsed, at least it was Dolores' plan to what, kind of destroy civilized society and then have Maeve and Caleb as, like, the leaders of the new world, I guess. So his the important things that he'll do have yet to happen, I guess. He has been led to water, and now he has to drink said water along with Maeve. I just count him as a person who is on Team Maeve. What do you think happened with his mother, who knew that it wasn't the original him, his mother's in a hospital somewhere, assumably still. Do you think he'll perhaps go and try to move her, save her? Will he completely forget about her? Will also Jesse Pinkman grow his own hair in the next 18 months prior to the season four shoot? Yeah, well, I bet his hair will grow. Who knows what happens to his mom? That was that plot thread was completely dropped. You know, hopefully the orderlies of the doctors in her nursing home are still taking care of her. And they didn't all hang themselves when the data came out. Right, as they're prone to do. Through Caleb, we follow the tree down of characters and we are introduced to Ashes to Ashes, aka Ash, aka Lena Waith. We are also introduced to Giggles, aka Marshawn Lynch, two Rico agents whom also use the Rico app that we would learn eventually is run by insight inc slash rehoboam slash serac and they are in two to three episodes they help caleb out they get very they have very little characterization no but i would still argue that they're more interesting than caleb yes i like them better than caleb too we sort of like they kind of cheat and give us ash's backstory through the insight data dump they kind of very quickly say, like, oh, she actually has uh, a, a good boy little brother, and she's doing all the crimes to support, I don't know, his college fund or whatever. Giggles doesn't get anything like that. <laughs> He's just, uh, just a guy. Right. Dead in a ditch. And I, I got to think, like, if there were ten episodes, 
maybe we would have gotten more from and more about these characters, but because it was kind of rushed and short, uh, I don't know, they're just Caleb's friends. I just finished watching Dave on Hulu, the show that Lil Dicky made. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. It's very good. I liked it very much. But it had an episode that didn't have the main character who's the TV show is named after in the episode. It was just about the side characters, one side character in particular, most of the time. And I felt like it was such a like courageous decision to have your own show named after you and not put yourself in an entire episode just to dive deeper into a side character and understand them further. I don't know if Westworld would ever have the balls to do something like that. I think the side characters that would have been great in one of those kinds of episodes would have been Giggles and Ash. But I, I, don't, I could never see this show doing that. Except for it did it once with Akechita. Right. But like it feels like as we've gotten to season three, that option is just gone. Right. Back when the show had, had room to breathe and could be kind of experimental. But I don't know. Maybe in this one, I, I don't know about this behind the scenes thing. Maybe the budget was slashed. They had to do it in eight episodes. I know in, in terms of Game of Thrones, <laughs> HBO was like, no, make more, make more. And D&D was like, no, seven episodes. That's all you get. And Westworld, assumably the budget was slashed. We have to all remember that Tandy Newton and Evan Rachel Wood got contracts that they deserved the entire time anyway and got 250 k an episode. And then at the same time, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy got a large contract from Amazon uh, to make a show over there. And the Westworld cost a bunch of money to make. And not the amount of people that needed to watch it, not the amount of people who watched Game of Thrones on Sunday nights happened to Westworld, which is what they were hoping for. But to be honest, I don't know if HBO will ever have a show again that reaches Game of Thrones level audienceship on Sunday nights until they have the Game of Thrones spinoff. Something I just want to say about Lena Waithe before we move on, uh, Master of None was never canceled. Um, not officially. Really? So it could still, it's been a while now, still could feasibly come out uh, with a season three. And she's very funny in that show. So if you like Lena Waithe in this season of Westworld, go check her out in Master of None, where she's really funny. That's a good show. Uh, also, Eric Wareheim is in it, and I'm a huge fan of him. And Aziz Ansari is like semi-canceled himself. So who knows if the show will ever come back. I think it's fine. He was just in the Parks and Recreation special episode and i hope master of none comes back also you will maybe see giggles in the next season of national football league if that ever comes back too unless that show's canceled right exactly the next most important main character is definitely serac he's a genius engineer and computer technician who, along with his crazy brother, invented a supercomputer that can predict and control the future. However, there are some people who cannot be controlled, like Caleb, and those are outliers, and he has a plan to either brainwash them to make them good citizens, or remove them entirely from society by freezing them in kryptonite. He wants to defend the status quo that he's created, and so he ruthlessly hunts Dolores using some PMCs, 
and also using Maeve, but eventually he is brought down by the combined efforts of all our heroes, and actually at the end we find out that he was a puppet of Rehoboam the whole time, and so anytime he was talking, he was actually getting Rehoboam's voice piped into his ear and just kind of repeating what he heard. Uh, He must have got a lot of practice at that because he was doing it very naturally, you know, even with emotion and intonation and everything. Almost like it wasn't happening at all. Sorak, I gotta say, lame bad guy. So weak, so underpowered. They're like, oh, he's a shadow trillionaire who controls the world and the future, is always listening, and can do anything. But the height of his powers is like ten, ten guys with guns. Vincent Cassell, an amazing actor. But the performance was great. No problems there. No, no, none at all. One of the best parts of the Ocean series. And I was so excited for him to be in this season. The problem with the bad guys is, like, they can do all the monologues they want in the world, and they can kill those monologues. But if you are going to put in between the good guys and the bad guys ten dudes with guns who can't shoot straight then you're never going to be able to take the bad guy very seriously now, are you? I mean, Sorak literally put a gun up to Caleb's head and not for one moment in my like in my brain did I think, oh, it must be over for Caleb. Like, the stakes were so low, and I'm glad Sorak is stabbed. Yeah, maybe not dead, though. Just, you know, stabbed in the gut, right? You could survive right. that. You have to go by the Game of Thrones rule. He didn't die on camera, so he might be alive. And I think there were a lot of ways they could have written this in a more clever way. They could have said, like, oh, yeah, the supercomputer is perfect, but Serac, who's in charge of it, I mean, maybe he's a little bit arrogant or, like, he wasn't the real genius. It was his brother, and he's just kind of a pretender. And that's how you can kind of explain away all these problems and how he's kind of, like, incompetent in defeating Dolores. But no, they make it clear that actually Rehoboam is in charge of everything. And so the world's greatest supercomputer is just kind of a goof up and can't really think of anything better than, like, send six guys. Oh, those guys are dead. All right, send another six guys. Oh, do you want to send 12 guys this time? No, send them in waves. Right, and the supercomputer should also, you know, be able to analyze the exact action that it is taking and see if it's going to succeed or not, but whatever. Serac is ineffectual, and it is boring to watch towards the end. Also, he's an example of the fan fiction became more interesting than what actually happened. While we were going through the season, we asked questions like, is Serac part of and or the antithesis of a simulation? Are we in a simulation world? Is Serac a physical manifestation of Rehoboam? Which is what we assumed was actually happening. And it turns out it was a worse version of that where he just had an earpiece in and he wasn't a creation by the biggest supercomputer in the world who was running everything. Meaning the supercomputer made a choice to have a physical human representation out in the world and had more of a personality. Rather, what happened was a French person whom didn't even really put in major parts of the work of creating Solomon and then Rehoboam, his older brother, the smart one, did before he got lobotomized. 
And then Serac was like, okay, now I need help. So I'm just going to listen to Rehoboam in my ear. Perfect end of story until I get stabbed because I'm an idiot who doesn't have more than five to six guns in between me and hairpiece. And then I got Maeve stabbed and I deserved it because I'm a bad, bad guy. I know we're now we're getting into like the realm of nitpicking, but like Maven and, and, and the drone helicopter did pretty well against Dolores. Why not send, uh, I don't know, if we're really shooting for the moon here, two drone helicopters or, or dare I say three. <laughs> well, here's one more. Here's one more idea. Four drone helicopters. He's just, you know, not creative at all. He, I guess, you know, you don't become a trillionaire by signing a lot of checks. He's just really cheap. He's like, yeah, send six guys. All right, should we pay for the good guys? No, get get the really bad guys and send them in. Is he cheap or is it bad writing or is it both? We will never know. So the other main characters that are new, you, you'd be hard to call them main characters, but you've got Liam who is the son of the business partner who funded Serac. And everyone thinks his dad built Rehoboam, but secretly it was Serac who nobody knows about. He's a powerless figurehead at Serac's company, Insight. At the beginning of the show, he's being honeypotted by Dolores, and then he is eventually forced into becoming a pawn for her master plan. And he, you know, talks a bunch of shit and gets killed by Ash, so... You know, just goes to show, fuck around and find out. And <laughs> he got shot in the chest. Interesting character. I really liked his, like, dumb socialite friends. And they had a nice, like, you know, kind of interactions with him and Dolores. They, they, uh, they were cut out of the show quite quickly. And so was Liam, I guess. The dumb socialite friends I found more interesting than Liam overall, which is sad because John Gallagher is great. I liked him very much in the newsroom. I was excited to hear that he was going to be in this season. And like you said, he gets killed off. We see both his father years beforehand get murdered by Ciroc. And then Ash gets annoyed with Liam Dempsey Jr. And John Gallagher gets shot and then left in the ocean. So, yeah, inconsequential character, you know, like when in season two, my favorite side characters were Sylvester, Felix, Lee, Elsie, Clementine. Yeah, Clementine, Pennyfeather, best name, all with great stories, all with interesting things happening to them on a pretty constant basis. Uh, They all want something very specifically. And then we get. Instead, in the third season, Liam Dempsey Jr., and it's just not even close. Yeah, and he's just like kind of a whiny bitch, the whole. She's just whining, complaining. Um, not, you know, not that he's really uh, put in any good position, but, you know, it's just, a, just a, a dummy at the end of the day. It's like, oh yeah, these hardened criminals who I can see have killed a lot of people and will continue to. I'll go ahead and, and you know, antagonize them and say rude things to them. They could just easily let me go, but I'll start a fight here on the beach. I, I think I need to say, for the record, that I found the third season of Westworld to be entertaining. Entertaining to the point where I think it is still better than most television that is on, like, at all. And we are being nitpicky, and we are naysaying. And I, But I know that there are portions of our audience who really enjoyed season three, and I'm not trying to say that those people are wrong. In fact, if you like anything, then that's amazing. Liking anything is 
I'm all on board for anyone liking literally anything. So I, I just need to get that out there. But, but you know, when something is stupid to me, I just can't not say it. <laughs> Lastly, the other new character who you could maybe make an argument is one of the main characters is Martin, Liam's bodyguard, maybe kind of an enforcer on behalf of Serac. Early in the show, he gets killed and replaced by a Dolores clone. And he's instrumental in helping to release the insight data, which causes mass hysteria. And he is captured by Serac's staff, and so he kamikazes himself and most of Serac's underlings. Martin, played by Tommy Flanagan, a famed character actor who did a very, very nice job. Although, when you get to the end of the season, this is nothing against the actor, but you can really uh, attribute Martin's character to be a stepping stone for new Charlotte bot, new Hale bot, where Hale has a epiphany about what Dolores wants her clones to be doing and what her clones should have for an ending as she saw what Martin's was. Martin made it through the explosion, but then would eventually not make it through the season still. And so you can really, if you want to pinpoint why Martin was a character at all, other than helping out Liam Dempsey Jr., you know, prior to being a robot, is just as an example for Hale to be like, oh, fuck this. And now we come back to the recurring characters whose plot lines I considerably like a bit more. The most important one has got to be Dolores, of course. Now set free into the real world, she has a plan to bring down the oppressive systems which are holding humans back, and she wants to free them and hosts by creating a new world. She has a plan where she wants to use Liam as a way to get to Serac and destroy this system and the supercomputer of Rehoboam. She, along with Caleb sends everyone their personal data from the system and collapses society. And then in the final episode, she sacrifices herself so that Caleb and Maeve can lead humanity into the future. And I gotta say, uh, this one, a lot of people are complaining about, like, oh, the Dolores storyline doesn't make too much sense. First, she's good, then she's evil, and then actually she's good again, which is fine if if there are red herrings but a red herring is more like pointing the audience in a direction as opposed to just lying to the audience and saying it's this way and then changing it at the, at the last minute. Dolores tricked us, right? I mean, for a point in the middle there, we were like, oh, she doesn't want to hurt anybody anymore. She doesn't want to be genocidal. And then at the end... We got bamboozled, and we we're like, oh, my God, she's wanted to do this all along. And that was interesting. Oh, dear. And then the next episode. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that was, again, that was good. But I will say this. The two more most emotional moments of the season for me is when Hailbot gets exploded, turns into a crispy chicken tender, and loses her family. And the moment in which on the train, everybody gets their information once Dolores actually releases all of the public's information to them, which felt like a finale moment. It felt like something that 
was so earth-shaking, so life-changing for everybody in the show of Westworld that it should have been in the finale and it was something Dolores gave them. Those are two of the moments I'll remember the most probably from season three. And I bring that up because I don't think I'm going to remember Dolores' death more than those two things. They wanted to make a big dramatic finish for Dolores' story, but I honestly don't feel like it was telegraphed or foreshadowed at all. And so when Dolores died, I was just kind of like, oh, what, that's it? More than like, oh no, Dolores. Like even even in the scenes where it was made clear she was dying, that happened so quickly that I didn't really have time to get emotionally invested. Could it have perhaps been better if they had two more episodes to fully flesh out her intentions and the torture of death? Like the scene in which her and Maeve are talking about the beauty that the world could have and might have in the future if Maeve is being helpful was a few minutes long. Perhaps we could have stayed there for two extra minutes if we had two extra episodes. But again, Evan Rachel Wood, she puts on a different performance each season, and she had many different hats, again, to wear this season. She's pretending to be Julia. She's, you know, acting like a a badass action hero in some scenes, and more like a bold and nurturing leader in others, and she did a great job. She did do a great job. But I will say, from my perspective, she was asked to carry this season a whole lot more than she had to in seasons one yes, and two. Without much to work for with. The, right. And because she, the reason is because Anthony Hopkins is gone, right? The Perhaps one of the greatest actors of our entire generation carried that show on his back and anyone else could do anything because we knew the moment we saw Anthony Hopkins on screen, it was going to be interesting again because he makes everything he does interesting. So season three, Evan Rachel Wood, who is an amazing actor, she really made Dolores come to life, literally, and not, not even figuratively, like actually literally, sentience occurred during this actress's portrayal of this robot. And she did a great job. But they tried to fill in Anthony Hopkins with Vincent Cassell and Evan Rachel Wood. And it just, I don't, it, they tried and I just don't think it worked out. Oh, and by the way, no, you know what the hard part about that is? I forgot one person. And I think it's indicative of how I feel. I forgot about Caleb. They tried to fill in Anthony Hopkins with Evan Rachel Wood, Vincent Cassell, and Aaron Paul. And again, didn't work out. I literally forgot about him. Right. They expected him to bring the star power to this season. And and so did I once they announced it. But... I don't know, I, his performance was just kind of flat, and his character was a bit boring, that it really didn't work out that well. And maybe all of that could have been forgiven if Maeve mattered at all. Yeah, well now we should get to Maeve. As you recapped in seasons one and two, Maeve's storyline was pretty much totally sewn up and done with, but in season three she wakes up in World World, which is actually a simulation, She goes on some adventures with fake Lee to break out. She is eventually used as a tool by Serac to kill Dolores. She fights with a samurai sword. She kills a bunch of goons. She loses three fights to Dolores. 
And at the end, the thing that she's been looking for, the key to the sublime, Dolores doesn't actually have it. She's given it away. And in talking to Dolores, she realizes that she should be fighting for Dolores' cause all along. And, and Maeve is kind of the one that ultimately brings down Serac, allowing Caleb to bring down Rehoboam. Yeah, literally brings down Serac with a sword into his body. But as you mentioned, Maeve sacrificed herself at the end of season two for her daughter's life. A daughter that she brings up too many times in season three to make me even remotely think it matters because she already sacrificed herself once for said daughter who is in the sublime and she believes that Dolores wants to hurt them inexplicably. I, why? Why? I, James Marsden's up there. Teddy Flood. Dolores. Why would Dolores want to? I, anyway, the, the point is. Maeve was here for an entire season while they used Clementine Pennyfeather best name slash Angela Safarian in one scene while they used Hanario in one scene while they had Hector for two episodes. They didn't even have Armistice at all. Sylvester was in one episode, one scene even. They didn't have Felix at all. All of these characters that could have held some weight, could have had some story and they put Maeve in and she had little to no story whatsoever. Yeah, and very little effect on the place. Maeve would just kind of show up on the scene, uh, get defeated by Dolores. Even the one time where she kind of won the fight and cut Dolores' hand off, she still got defeated in the end, in in the sense that she didn't complete her objective. And I don't know, she was like the punching bag of this season. Like, she was just just existed to create moments of triumph for Dolores. So much so that I think the point of Maeve in the third season was she was supposed to be the second star. She was supposed to be, I I guess, on the same level as Aaron Paul was. It's Evan Rachel Wood carrying the show as Dolores, as Dolores Prime, a.k.a. almost Neo because Caleb is going to be Neo, and Maeve is supposed to be right up there on the upper echelon of the star power of the show with Tandy Newton. But she was constantly outshined by Tessa Thompson as Charlotte Hale. So it didn't go very well. Right. The next most important character, I would say, uh, of the recurring characters is Charlotte Hale, who at the end of season two was replaced by a copy of Dolores. At the beginning of season three, she's starting to feel as though she is becoming the real Charlotte Hale. And starts to get more protective of her family. Despite that, she continues to follow Dolores' Prime's orders. And helps to defeat William and Serac. But in the end, winds up just being used as a pawn in Dolores Prime's master plan. And when her usefulness is exhausted, seemingly Dolores has her blown up killing the real Charlotte Hale's family. In one of the more shocking sequences of season three. This causes her to, well, it completely burns her body up into Anakin Skywalker. And so, like Anakin Skywalker, she decides to turn evil. And in an after credit scene, she murders and replaces William. And we see that she's got all these 3D printers making hosts. And she announces her intention to carry through with Dolores' original plan to kill all humans. Ostensibly being set up as the season four antagonist. Perhaps she'll be more interesting or more effective than Serac was in season three. I think she was definitely one of the more interesting parts of the entire season. 
I'll remember the moments where she killed a pedophile in the park. I'll remember the moments where she met up with her ex, didn't know anything about her family, and tried to sex her way out of a conversation. I'll remember her in the boardroom. I'll remember her exploding a portion of said boardroom. And then at the end, I'll remember thinking, wow, this is the character who last season killed Elsie and I hated. But now that she's Dolores, she's like not even the same character and is now the bad guy. And then now she killed William, which I don't think she earned, in my opinion. I don't. It, she didn't earn that moment. Uh, and I was angry that William got his throat slit. But at the same time, I'm more interested and more excited for a hail season of her being the ultimate evil than a out of nowhere French dude who we didn't even know anything about prior to this season. Right. And again, as you said, Tessa Thompson, one of the better actresses in the show. And well, something that I like is it's like, well, you can have your cake and you eat it too. So they made Dolores into a sympathetic character with a good guy ending for the people who wanted to see that. And then for the people who, like me, wanted to see, like, evil Dolores continue on with her evil plans, you kind of get that through Charlotte Hale. And thematically, it kind of makes sense too, because she was sort of a villain in seasons one and two. And so she will continue to be... It's interesting. You know, only with this kind of story and this kind of storytelling could, like, Charlotte Hale be killed, but then continue to be a villain, but now with Dolores's character motivations. It's very interesting. Hale has now died and been reborn twice, and she seems to just get worse every time. Anyway, I'm on board for it. She was definitely one of the more interesting parts of the season. And I don't think Westworld will win any acting Emmys. We never do. <laughs> but if if one does occur for season three, I would probably put money on it being Tessa Thompson. Next up would be William, who, although he's in the show quite a bit, doesn't actually drive the plot that much. I mean, how could you when you only show up in episode four? William gets tricked and committed to an insane asylum by Charlotte Hale Dolores. In there, he receives a revolutionary AR therapy, which does lead to a breakthrough. He decides to be a good guy, and the way he's going to achieve that is kill all hosts. So he gets rescued and by Stubbs and Bernard, and at the very first chance that he gets, he attacks them, and he fatally wounds Stubbs, and at the end of the show, he goes to Dubai, and like we just said, gets killed by Hale, but replaced by a robot version of himself whom we saw at the end of season two with the fidelity test and a fake version of his daughter in the forge. How further into the future is that? We still do not know and we'll figure it out in the future. I definitely wanted more of Ed Harris in this season. I wanted more of William every time he was on screen. He had the gravitas that Anthony Hopkins brought. Like I will always remember as one of my favorite scenes in Westworld was when Anthony Hopkins and Ed Harris were sitting across from each other with James Marsden to the left of them and having a discussion about humanity and the lack thereof within the robots like that will I will that will always live on to me because those two actors 
both can own a room singularly and together just rip a room down. Ed Harris did that. Uh, He had some of the best lines of the season. Don't lecture me, you fucking can opener probably is my number one. We saw Jimmy Simpson in one of the episodes for uh, about half of it as a as a younger William talking to him in a therapy circle run by James Delos. So yeah, every time he was on screen, he made it more interesting. The problem was he wasn't on screen very often. But even more inconsequential than William was Bernard. He is in the real world as well, and he wants to stop Dolores. So he goes back to the park and gets stubs. Together they try to save Liam, but they fail. Uh, Bernard is taken in by Martin, who gives him the key to the sublime. Then him and Stubbs go to rescue and then fight William. And eventually he, I don't know, kind of makes peace with Dolores. She sends him to go visit Arnold's ex-wife. And then he goes to a rundown motel to enter the sublime and do something. Thing, and that's all he did the whole season he is in the sublime for an amount of time that we do not know yet while your version of the bernard storyline in season three was rife with naysay which i understand fully i still think the bernard and Stubbs pairing was one of the more interesting oh yeah the character moments were things fine that i was just saying that there's no payoff to to it no, and uh, like him and Stubbs were the Legolas and Gimli of the season, but at the same time, I, I don't know what he's going to do. I also don't know what happened to him at the end. He was a large, he's used as a cliffhanger at the end, one that I'm not sure his character or any character, to be fair, earned in the third season. So, all in all, I gotta say, after weeks gone by, Maybe my opinion on season three is is kind of degraded a little bit. I still didn't hate it. It's just like in thinking deeply about the plot and the characters and what they actually did, it just seemed like a weaker season to me. I still thought it was fine, though. You and I, we typically give things letter grades. I would give this a B minus. On our Twitter, Marie said, all in all, a good season made up for a lot of frustrations in season two and a lot of world building actually makes me want to see what season four holds. Also very after the current world we are living in that last sentence. I do agree with the frustrations in season two. We all have to remember the Wyatt Dolores thing. They made Dolores a more interesting and likable, interesting. I'll take back perhaps just likable character in season three. That felt like their main objective. And if I had to give this season a letter grade, I think I would give it a B. I liked it better than season two still. The amount of annoying that Dolores was in season two outweighed everything else, including having Anthony Hopkins and Ed Harris in the same place. Season three, if it was just, if season three was season one, I don't think we would be as mad about it, right? But because it kind of just spit in the face of the complex nature that season one and season two created for people like us who we're not the regular audience, right? We watch the episodes multiple times. We take notes on it. We do a podcast about it. And I'm giving it a B. That's not even that bad. 85. Easy. 
So I know we're running out of time. I just want to quickly do a little bit of a reading series from an interview that Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy had with Variety, because I think there's some content in there that will shock you. Okay. Uh, what kind of voice do you think? What, 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 what do you think Jonathan Nolan sounds like? Uh, uh, All right. Uh. Let's start with the most immediate question. Is Evan Rachel Wood leaving the show? Six second pause. Jonathan Nolan, I fucking hope not. Let me clarify. Dolores is gone, but we're not yet discussing publicly the direction the show is taking. But the fun thing is about this show, you know, from the beginning, Lisa and I wanted to make a show that constantly reinvented itself, that could be a different show every season. I think it's important with a show in which death can be impermanent, these are robots after all, to mark the occasion with Dolores. That version of the character is gone. We love Evan Rachel Wood, and we haven't... (sighs) Sighs. Started talking publicly about exactly what the show looks going forward, but it looks very different. So Evan Rachel Wood, not gone from the show. Dolores, gone. Evan Rachel Wood, not gone. (sighs) Okay. I mean, (laughs) he is such an odd human being. Uh, But yeah, that's... uh, Is that good? I don't know if that's good. Like... her death or any death in this show feels like it has zero stakes. I'm just remembering the Maeve Dolores fight when they had swords and guns and, and a, and a drone sniper and an actual drone. And I remember the feeling I had, which is this is uninteresting because neither of them are going to die. And I know that. And no one in the show freaking dies. And, that just honestly just makes it worse than he's just like, no, no, she'll be here. She'll be here. Don't worry about it. The next question. It's been reported in the past that you've conceived Westworld telling its story over six seasons. Is that still your goal? Nolan. Well, I want to clarify, you know, Lisa and I have never actually talked about a number of seasons. James Marsden mentioned five seasons. Wait, how? In the first season, when we were on hiatus, and more recently there's been reporting about deals and other stuff like that, we've never actually talked out loud about how many seasons we imagine this thing going, because I think you'd be foolish to. Uh, I disagree. Hard disagree there. Probably have one conversation about it. (laughs) At least one. Things change. Circumstances change. I think we sat down to do the show. We didn't quite realize how difficult it would be to make the show. (laughs) How many years it would take per season. So we never actually talked about how many seasons that plan was. And indeed, I think when we had the plan, it didn't actually map out to a specific number of seasons exactly. It was a beginning, a middle, and an end. Lisa Joy, now. It would be like working on the novel and saying, this novel is going to be 436 pages. Both laughing. (laughs) No, not really. No, it'd be like planning a a series of books and saying, I'm going to write five of them. (laughs) Right? Right. And knowing what those five books were going to be about. Didn't they have like a pitch meeting at some point? Right. (laughs) They must have told somebody, (laughs) you know. I'm sure the HBO board of directors is like, how many seasons are we going to give millions of dollars to this show for? Who knows? Skipping around here for the last question. You guys are still trying to figure out what you want to do for season four, but will we still be in the real world? Should we expect to go back to the park? Six second pause. Jonathan Nolan, we oh, love you. God damn it. And we say this with the greatest respect, but there is no earthly way we're going to answer that question laughing. <laughs> God. Is that what are he sounds like? I hope he sounds like that. Uh, yeah, you're doing a decent, I think a decent impression. So there you go. No idea how many seasons it is. Ryan and I earlier quoted somebody saying there were going to be six. Apparently that's off the table. Evan Rachel Wood 
still maybe in the show, but Dolores gone forever. Interesting. Because, you know, if I was the Lawrence Dolores and I found out Dolores Prime was dead, I'd be like, oh, well, I'm going to go back to the, my normal body then. If it's available. Right. Oh, God. You said interesting. I don't know if I agree. Like, it just kind of sounded like way up his own ass. <laughs> well, probably that was contributed to the voice I was doing. Couldn't have helped. No, but your voice was spot on, so. <laughs> but interesting, as you know, and, and we make this point all the time, but at the end of each season, I'm like, well, there's nowhere they can go. There's nothing to do. They've sewn it all up, but. Each time they find something to do, so I'm interested to see. And, you know, this reporter brings up the idea of going back into a park, and Jonathan Nolan does not shoot it down at all. So, possibilities, possibilities. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we broke Sidzy, right. a.k.a. Day 11 Westworld, on our patrons-only Discord chat, had a few questions that I really liked, and I can ask you now. Do you think Rehoboam was averse to being deactivated like do you think Rehoboam had feelings about it i think it's like you know the three-eyed raven he's like oh and now i shall kill myself okay okie dokie db jake on the patreon said i have no idea how to feel about the season kind of hyped for season four after the end credit scene but the show probably won't be able to be season one levels again at this point losing ford of a, as a character hurts so much losing ford as a character reminds me of losing michael scott in the office Right, or losing Eric from that 70s show, or Dawson from Dawson's Creek. The, the show is named Dawson's Creek. Vanderbeek can't just leave and think it's going to be okay. So thank you all for listening. It means a lot to us if you're just listening. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Twitter. He's Westworld Ryan. I'm James Watches Men. Hilarious. Hashtag best name all time. You can follow us on SoundCloud or leave us a five-star review on any of the various podcast apps that you're listening to this on. And if you really want to go the extra mile to support the show, then you can find us on Patreon. And for just $1 or more, uh, you'll get access to bonus content. We've got three bonus episodes in the tank and a fourth one coming up later this month where we're going to be discussing the Netflix show The Witcher, which I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Our patrons are Atheism is Unstoppable, Bakaman, Brent Ginn, Carol Andreas, Chris Wood, Cliff Wilding, Craig, Day 11 podcast, hello underscore yo, James Christopher, James Watch My Dong, hilarious. I'm watching. And John Jers and Major Woody plus Lee. Thank you for your money. <laughs> so as with the end of every season, we are now going to take a one week hiatus, but we will be coming back soon with that premium Witcher episode and then we will come back to the main feed probably with some big news what do you think ryan big news i don't know what you're talking about so i assume you're correct all right i'm james and i'm ryan and this is the west world podcast